Welcome to Rock and Roll Flashback with your hosts, Jumpin' John McDermott and Bill Price. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rock and Roll Flashback. I'm Jumpin' John McDermott, and we'll be looking back at some of rock and roll's greatest artists, songs, and stories. Today, I will discuss Les Paul and his role and influence on the evolution of the electric guitar and music recording. The focus of today's podcast will primarily be on the first 25 years or so of the early career of musician and entrepreneur Les Paul. In the upcoming podcast called Les Paul Part 2, I will go into greater detail regarding Paul's guitar and electronics innovations. So for now, sit back and have a listen to Les Paul Part 1. Les Paul was many things, a jazz, country, and blues guitarist, a songwriter, a guitar-building luthier, and a prolific inventor. It is almost impossible to separate Les Paul the guitarist from Les Paul the electronics innovator. He was one of the pioneers of the solid-body electric guitar. That prototype guitar, called the Log, served as inspiration for the Gibson Les Paul. Paul taught himself how to play guitar. While he is mainly known for jazz and popular music, he had an early career in country music. In the 1950s, he and his second wife, singer and guitarist Mary Ford, recorded numerous records selling millions of copies. Les Paul was born Lester William Pulsfuss in 1959 in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Paul's mother was related to the founders of Milwaukee's Blatt's Brewing Company and the makers of the Stutz Automobile. His mother simplified their Prussian family name first to P-O-L-F-U-S-S and then to P-O-L-F-U-S, Polfus. Les Paul never legally changed his name. Before taking the stage name Les Paul, he performed as Red Hot Red and Rhubarb Red. At the age of eight, Paul began playing the harmonica. After learning the piano, he switched to the guitar. During this time, he invented a neck-worn harmonica holder, which allowed him to play both sides of the harmonica hands-free while accompanying himself on the guitar. It is still manufactured using his basic design. By age 13, Paul was performing semi-professionally as a country music singer, guitarist, and harmonica player. While playing at Waukesha area drive-ins and roadhouses, Paul began his first experiment with sound. Wanting to make his acoustic guitar heard by more people at the local venues, he wired a phonograph needle to his guitar and connected it to a radio speaker. As a teen, Paul also experimented with guitar sustain by using a two-foot piece of rail from a nearby train line. At age 17, Paul played with Rube Tronson's Texas Cowboys, and soon after, he dropped out of high school to team up with Sonny Joe Wolverton's radio band in St. Louis, Missouri, on KMOX Radio. Paul and Wolverton moved to Chicago in 1934, where they continued to perform country music on radio station WBBM 
and at the 1934 Chicago World's Fair. While in Chicago, Paul learned jazz from the great performers on Chicago, Chicago's South Side. During this time, he began adding different sounds and adopted the stage name of Les Paul. During the day, he played country music as rhubarb read on the radio. At night, he was Les Paul playing jazz. He met pianist Art Tatum, whose playing influenced him to continue with the guitar rather than play jazz on the piano. His first two records were released in 1936, credited to Rhubarb Red, Paul's hillbilly alter ego. He also served as an accompanist for other bands signed to Decca. Paul formed a trio in 1937 with rhythm guitarist Jim Atkins and bassist percussionist Ernie Darius Newton. Jim Atkins was the older half-brother of guitarist Chet Atkins. The trio left Chicago for New York in 1938, ending up on Fred Waring's radio show. Chet Atkins later wrote that his brother Jim gave him the first professional quality instrument he ever owned. That Gibson archtop guitar was the same guitar that Les Paul had previously given to Chet Atkins' brother Jim. While jamming in his apartment basement in 1941, Paul nearly succumbed to electrocution. During two years of recuperation, he moved to Chicago, where he was a music director for radio stations WJJD and WIND. In 1943, he moved to Hollywood, California, where he performed on radio and formed a new trio. He was drafted into the U.S. Army in 1943, where he served in the Armed Forces Radio Network, backing such artists as Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters, and performing in his own right. As a last-minute replacement for Oscar Moore, Paul played with Nat King Cole and other artists in the inaugural Jazz at the Philharmonic concert in Los Angeles, California, on July 2, 1944. His solo on Body and Soul is indicative of his admiration for Django Reinhardt, as well as his development of original lines. Also that year, Paul's trio appeared on Bing Crosby's radio show, Bing sponsored Paul's recordings, and they recorded together several times. Their collaboration on It's Been a Long, Long Time became a number one hit in 1945. Paul recorded several albums for Decca in the 1940s. The Andrew Sisters hired his trio to open for them during a tour in 1946. Their manager, Lou Levy, said watching Paul's fingers while he played guitar was like watching a train go by. Maxine Andrews said, and I quote, he'd tune into the passages we were singing and lightly play the melody, sometimes in harmony. We'd sing these fancy licks and he'd keep up with us note for note in exactly the same rhythm, almost contributing a fourth voice. But he never once took the attention away from what we were doing. He did everything he could to make us sound better, end quote. Capitol Records released Lover, When You're Near Me, on which Paul played eight different parts on electric guitar, some recorded at half speed, 
hence the double fast when played back at normal speed for the master. This was the first time he used multi-tracking in a recording. His early multi-track recordings, including Lover and Brazil, were made with acetate discs. He recorded a track onto a disc, then re-recorded himself playing another part with the first. He built the multi-track recording with overlaid tracks rather than parallel ones as he did later. By the time he had a result that satisfied him, he had discarded some 500 recording discs. In the summer of 1945, Paul met country western singer Iris Colleen Summers. They began working together on Paul's radio show as Rhubarb Red and the Ozark Apple Knockers with Mary Lou. Later, Paul suggested the stage name Mary Ford. In January 1948, Paul shattered his right arm and elbow among multiple injuries in a near-fatal automobile accident on an icy Route 66 west of Davenport, Oklahoma. Mary Ford was driving the Buick convertible, which plunged off the side of a railroad overpass and dropped 20 feet into a ravine. They were returning from Wisconsin to Los Angeles after visiting family. Doctors at Oklahoma City's Wesley Hospital told Paul that they could not rebuild his elbow. Their other option was amputation. Fortunately, Paul was flown to Los Angeles, where his arm was set at an angle that allowed him to cradle and pick the guitar. It took him nearly a year and a half to recover, and recover he did. Les and Mary were married in Milwaukee in 1949. Their hits included How High the Moon, Bye Bye Blues, Song in Blue, Don't You Hear Them Bells, The World is Waiting for the Sunrise, and Vaya Con Dios. The songs were recorded with multiple tracks where Ford harmonized with herself and Paul played multiple layers of guitars. They used the recording technique known as close miking where the microphone is less than six inches from the singer's mouth. This produces a more intimate, less reverberant sound than when a singer is one foot or more away from the microphone. When using a pressure gradient microphone, it emphasizes low frequency sounds in the voice. This was due to the microphone's proximity effect and gives a more relaxed feel because the performer is not working as hard. The result is a singing style with, which really diverged from the unamplified theater style of the musical comedies of the 1930s and 1940s. When he recorded Mary Ford's vocals on multiple tracks, Les Paul created music that sounded like the Andrew Sisters. They also performed music hall style semi-comic routines with Mary mimicking whatever line Les decided to improvise. Paul hosted a 15-minute radio program, The Les Paul Show, on NBC Radio in 1950, featuring his trio, himself, Ford, and rhythm player Eddie Stapleton, and his electronics. The program was recorded from their home and with gentle humor between Paul and Ford bridging musical selections. Some of these recordings had already been successful on record, some of them anticipated 
the couple's future recordings, and many of which represented reinterpretations of such jazz and pop selections as In the Mood, Little Rock Getaway, Brazil, and Tiger Rag. Les and Mary also did 170 television shows sponsored by Listerine between 1953 and 1960. This has been Rock and Roll Flashback, a look at the influence of Les Paul Part 1. Stay tuned for a second podcast, Les Paul Part 2. There, I will discuss greater details about the profound influences of Les Paul on popular music, in particular, guitar innovations, and music recording. You have been listening to Rock and Roll Flashback. I'm Jumpin' John McDermott. And until next time... Rock on, rock on, rock on, rock on, rock on.